Is paper, rock, scissor in you throw? Or pa- paper, do you rock, wanna scissors, shoot? one, two, three, shoot? No, paper, rock, scissors, shoot. Okay. Paper, paper rock, rock Oh, my God. <laughs> Ready? Hold on. One, two, three. Paper, paper rock, rock, scissors, scissors shoot. One, two. <laughs> Dude, I said paper, rock, scissors, shoot. I know. Just go. It's All fine. Right. I want to leave this in here. <laughs> Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the We Believe Do You Paranormal Podcast. I'm Eric. And I'm Michelle. And today we have a deep dive for you. A first deep dive of the year. Woo! Okay, so I have been reading, um, if you guys have been listening or have listened to, uh, I guess, the last few episodes, um, actually, I guess last year's episodes, really, uh, when we spoke to to Bill and Rob, um, Bill had emailed us and he suggested that I read Terry Lovelace's um, books, uh, Incident in the Devil's Den and Devil's Den Reckoning. And uh, so I've been listening to it in audiobook and I'm, I'm still finishing or going through uh, The Reckoning, but I'm just like, I'm kind of always in like alien world, but like right now I'm like, living it like really in it right now listening to the book so i decided to do an alien abduction case and uh i decided to do the pascagoula abduction eric had you heard of that before i uh uh no actually i had i had not heard of it until like when you told me hey uh this is a topic i want to deep dive well these are the two topics i want to consider deep diving i was like well I feel like we've talked about the other topic before, like obviously not in depth. So we still, we still will do a deep dive on it. But when I heard this other one, I was just like, Hmm, I've never heard of that before. So let's do that. Cause it'll be something new for me again. I, I feel like, I mean, obviously you, you listen to paranormal podcasts and stuff like that. And I, I, I don't listen to a lot of them or really any of them. Um, except for like the people that we've started like talking to have tried to listen to their stuff. But you know, I, I feel like your knowledge is a lot broader than mine. So a lot of times I end up learning with our audience or in preparation for these episodes is when I learn about, you know, these things. So I don't know if it's like something to be proud of that. This is what I choose to fill my brain with, but, (laughs) but I love it. So whatever. Yeah. I, I, uh, Decide. I mean, there's plenty of abduction, uh, plenty of abduction stories, and I'm sure we'll we'll probably cover others um, in the future. But this one in particular always stood out to me just because it was very well documented, and like news stations were covering it, like newspapers were covering it, uh, books were written about it, like other people were involved that. Uh, you know, like sheriff departments and, and, you know, notable people that like you're supposed to believe them or like they, they not supposed to believe them. What's the word I'm looking for? Like when someone from the, yeah, I, yeah, there's, there's a specific word that I'm like drawing a blank, but it's like when it's somebody from the military or if it's a doctor or a police officer or like a firefighter, like you hold them in such high regard, right? Like they're not going to mm. bullshit you. So like you tend to like, well, if he says it, it must be true. Um, and, you know, there's kind of a lot of that in this. And it was one of the most well-documented alien abduction cases. So 
um, there's quite a bit of information, like almost too much information to the point where this probably could very well be like, could have been like a multiple episode or like two hour long thing, but hopefully I narrowed it down. It's still like a six page report that I wrote, but uh, hopefully we can get through it in a decent amount of time. God damn. Well, I mean, some of the last pages were pictures so that you mm-hmm. could see, but yeah, it's quite a bit. <laughs> but I, like I said, like I was just very excited about this uh, topic in particular. Yeah. I, and just to go a little bit off of what Michelle was saying there, I, this is something that's still to this day or not, maybe not to this day. I think the video that I saw was maybe 10 years old or so. It was like the, it was a, the anniversary of the whole incident mm-hmm. that they were still covering it on on like a local station or something like that. Like they, they were bringing it up again and it's still something that, that gets talked about, you know, to this day, I guess is how famous this was. So I'm surprised I've never, I'd never heard of it, but uh, yeah. So that's pretty crazy. The two main characters of the story are Charlie Hickson or Charles Hickson, uh, who was 42 at the time and Calvin Parker, who was 19 at the time. And Hickson was, there's like a, kind of a huge age difference and I mean they're were, they're were good friends and they would hang out a lot and Hickson was always kind of a father figure to Parker and he apparently actually helped him get his uh, first job at the F- FB Walker and Sons shipyard and um, he was only 19 years old like he was about to get married his wedding was like a month away and he had aspirations to just live a simple life um, but that obviously came to a screeching halt the night of October 11th, 1973. So um, what I'm going to kind of get into right now is Calvin's account of what happened that night. But the thing about this is Calvin, when all this happened, he for the longest time was like, I don't remember anything for years and years and years, like, well, not even years, decades, literal decades. He just was you know told everybody that he doesn't remember what actually happened aboard the ship but um it turns out he did and he wrote a whole book about it it was just kind of like a, a deal him and and charlie had made like he wanted nothing to do with it and charlie was like all right we'll just pretend that you don't know anything uh, or you don't remember anything um but i'm actually going to talk about calvin's experience and then we'll, we'll also get into to charlie's uh, account of what happened any questions so far Mm-mm. <laughs> It all started when Charlie and Calvin, or Charlie had asked Calvin if he wanted to go fishing after work. And Cal- Calvin was new in town, so he hadn't even brought any of, fi- of his fishing gear with him or anything. So Charlie offered to loan him some of his. And the men tried fishing at one location, but there's like swarming bugs and, and just they weren't catching anything. So they decided to head back to the shipyard where there was fewer lights to attract insects. And they just figured it was a better fishing spot. Um, Calvin had actually pointed out that there is signs posted like, you know, can't fish here, can't be here kind of thing. But uh, Charlie was just like, you know, whatever. (laughs) Uh, He just brushed off his concerns about breaking the law and, and said something along the lines of like, that doesn't mean nothing. I fish here all the time. And then they walked down to the old pier, cast out uh, their lines and waited for a bite. And that's when they noticed the blue hazy lights coming from behind them. They, the lights even reflected across the the water. And so they were like, police, we're in trouble. 
And the two men stood up and, and turned around to try and find police cars or police officers that were there, but they didn't see any cars. Uh, instead, they saw a long ovular craft floating around two feet from the ground, emitting a super bright light coming from uh, from the door that was on the side of the ship with three bulky looking creatures. They were about five to six feet tall and they were humanoid and as in like they had arms and legs and a head, but they were covered in this like loose gray skin, kind of like an elephant and their faces were not traditional faces that you would you you know see they had sharp pointy spikes where the ears were and where their nose should be and their mouth uh looked like just like a slit and um they did also so so this was like one of the things where skeptics tried to like catch on and it's like oh your story changed um you know because one of them said slits the other said it was kind of more like a small hole and sometimes they're like maybe it wasn't even slits or a hole maybe it was just like a flap of skin that like made it look like that so they were kind of unsure of of what exactly they were looking at and um despite having legs the creatures didn't even use them they actually just kind of hovered over the water just like the craft did and their hands were really weird too they actually had pincers or like lobster claws the beings started to approach charlie and calvin and the men became completely frozen in fear as one should, uh, one or one or two creatures, depending on where you read, I, I kept seeing one or, or two, um, grabs Charlie while the other one grabbed Calvin, um, carrying the two aboard this the spacecraft. Uh, Charlie actually said that uh, when he was grabbed by the creature, he felt a pinch, uh, followed by a sharp pain, and then nothing. His whole body goes numb and is completely paralyzed. Calvin said that the creature... Uh, the creature that grabbed him stopped at the door and injected him with what he described as a go to hell shot, quote unquote. Um, whatever it was ushered him from absolute terror to a sort of like peaceful, like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't care what happens. Uh, and uh, yeah, and then so they were taken aboard the craft down a hallway and into a room where uh, a creature placed them on a exam table and apparently it was made of glass and according to calvin at that point that gray wrinkly creature that brought him aboard the ship or brought both of the creatures that brought them aboard the ship left the room and i guess uh to me when i was reading that it kind of made it seem like these guys were like the muscle and that they did the dirty work and then this is where like the doctors i guess kind of thing come in if you want to get into that eric yeah, just really quick on the on the interview that I saw too. I I, I unless it was I read it and and I didn't hear it or I misheard whatever uh, that they were. He also talked about them being like very robotic. Yeah. So and it's I mentioned it here like later in the report, but he was he was super convinced that the, or maybe I don't. I think I might have cut that, but I do remember reading that that he was convinced that they were the robots like to this day he's like i'm pretty sure those guys were the robots and i mean kind of why i just said like these were like the muscle and like did the dirty work because they kind of like how they say alien grays are the robots for like some other bigger more intelligent being so they're the roombas of the no it's not quite quite the same <laughs> but you get it they're robots yeah. Okay, so then apparently after after that after he gets put on this slab and and this uh 
quote unquote muscle leaves the room. Um, apparently something comes out of the ceiling about the size of a deck of cards with a football shaped crystal inside circling around, uh, looking at him like an eye making a series of clicking noises. Uh, he then became, he, he then, uh, claims that it was kind of like an MRI machine, except that the clicking sound wasn't that loud. Cause if you've ever been inside of an MRI, that's that is fucking loud. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Uh, and then it just shot back up to the ceiling. Then a smaller being entered the room and he claimed that it looked normal and that he said that uh, if he had been in a bar drinking or something and was single, he'd probably ask her out on a date that it looked like a human except for its middle fingers and that her middle fingers were very long, like way longer than the average person's would be. And he did describe her as being like giving him like a female uh vibe like he he felt like this creature was female uh the creature put his left hand on his jaw and opened his mouth that's when he uh when she took her right hand and started running it uh down calvin's throat and started and he started to gag that's uh, some yeah kinky shit <laughs> uh she she scratched it up really bad and uh to the point where it started bleeding and then uh it then pulled its hand back out and Parker had the impression that it didn't want to hurt him anymore. And then it made a groan. I know, fr- super weird. Sorry. It's <laughs> like then, out of context. This is yeah. like, what am I reading right now? <laughs> Some fan fiction stuff right here, yeah. guys. Then it made a groan from deep within its throat, apparently very similar to an alligator mating call. If you've ever heard that before, it's just Google it. Cause it's, it's, it's a very distinct sound, and I guess they 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 live in Mississippi, so like that's that's the sound that he related it to, uh, where the vibrate they vibrate the whole air around you, and that's well, that's basically what the, it sounded like. I and I also do remember him. Descri- I think he described this in the video as well, because uh, he I remember him talking about how like the, he, the finger went past the uvula and it almost also like he said that he felt that it also went up like into like the sinus cavities. Ooh. Yeah. Whatever went into his brain. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. So after they bring him back to the bank, they hear a zipping sound. And as they turn to look, they see the ship go straight up into the air and blink out. And then all of a sudden, Charlie hears a voice inside his head say, we're peaceful. We mean you no harm. And then the ordeal is over. So after this whole thing, I, I mean, I don't blame them, but like their first instinct was to just not tell anybody what happened. And I feel like I'd probably do the same too. Maybe I would tell you, brother, but that's probably about it. Because uh, I feel like no one else would believe me. I feel like if I told mom and dad, they'd be like, yeah, my daughter's crazy. Uh, dad, mom, correct me if I'm wrong. But so the first instinct was not to tell anybody and uh, they were obviously shaken and in shock and, and they went back to the car and they actually found the door window shattered. And when they tried to start the car, it kind of failed a few times before uh, it finally like cranked and, and started to work. But apparently the motor sounded pretty rough. So um, I don't know if that had anything to do with the the craft or if it was someone broke in while they were abducted. Um, but on the drive back home, uh, 
Charlie changed his mind and felt that they needed to tell somebody about what happened. So, uh, so he dialed the Air Force Base in Biloxi, and he briefly explains what had happened to them uh, before being told that they didn't handle UFO reports anymore. Um, and if you guys are into aliens and, and stuff like that, then or conspiracy theories, then maybe you know about Project Blue Book. Uh, but the, yeah, basically the Air Force Base was like, you don't take UFO reports anymore. Project Blue Book was finished and they said that they needed to call the local authorities. So then uh, they had, I don't think I put this in here, but they had actually called before they went into the Jackson County Sheriff's Office. And they were like, hey, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna tell you something that happened to us, but we don't want you to laugh about it. Like, take us seriously. And the sheriff's like, yeah, of course. Like, tell me, tell me. And so he's like, we were abducted by aliens. And then, of course, the sheriff just, like, busts out laughing and, like, doesn't take him seriously. I, uh, I, but I, it's Sorry, real quick. I, it's funny because, like I said in the in the interview that I saw, they actually interviewed the, the sheriff. Uh-huh. And he, 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 like, he talks about this. And he talks about how they called him and they're like, Okay, I want to tell you something, but like you said, he was like, "I, but I don't want you. To, I don't want to say anything because I don't want you guys to laugh." And he basically was like, "Dude, just tell me because I, I have to work." Yeah. And then he tells him, and and then yeah, like you said, he starts like busting out laughing, and he was just like, yeah. "God damn it, dude!" Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I I don't well, I don't know. They they have more balls than I do, but well, again, because I feel like i wouldn't have told anybody but uh apparently doing some research the only reason that they decided all right screw it like let's try and tell somebody was because like to settle their nerves they had like a few shots of whiskey and this actually plays in a little bit later too so i'm, I'm glad i remembered it but um and, and i guess that kind of like settled their nerves a little bit and then that's when they're like okay no we we do have to tell someone but obviously they're laughed at but the sheriff was like well come in and and we'll take a report or you know hear you out or whatever and uh, they were first questioned about their experience separately. And obviously the officers didn't believe them because why would you if you heard something crazy like that, right? Um, so they thought that if they left them in a room together alone while secretly being recorded, that they would admit it was a hoax or try and like get their story straight. Like, okay, so then we're going to tell them that this happened and then we'll say that. And like, okay, what did you tell? You know, that kind of situation is what they're hoping for. But uh, you know, much to their shock, the officers, uh, you know, realized that they were still talking about what happened to them and they, you know, about how scared they were. And, um, you know, it was very genuine and they were clearly terrified. And, and there is some truth to what they were feeling and what they were saying. Um, you know, so after the deputies listened to the secret tape, they started to take them more seriously and they and the men urged the authorities not to tell anybody like do not tell anybody what we reported and um you know they wanted to just hope that like okay this is on account like if it happens again to anybody else like you know like they're not the only ones kind of thing was really all that they wanted um but when they got to the shipyard the next day there is a swarm of news vans everywhere and um i remember calvin at one point said that there's something like 200 news stations and reporters and stuff wanting to uh talk to them and um i felt like the interesting thing about some of these people that wanted to talk to them was it wasn't just like local news reporters um it was astronomers and pioneer 
pioneering uh, ufologist who, again, if you know anything about the extraterrestrial world or UFO world, um, Dr. J. Allen Hynek and Dr. James Hardner, who I honestly am not super familiar with, but um, they actually arrived in uh, Pascagoula within 36 hours um, to interview them and hypnotize Parker and Hickson to to get, or I should say Charlie and and Calvin to to get more information out of them. Regression. Yeah. And I just wanted to kind of throw this in there again. Like I said, I mean, I know that I know at least who one of these people are, but uh, I always enjoy hearing about other, you know, ufologists and astronomers and stuff. So hopefully you guys do. So I wanted to kind of just do a quick little, uh, if you don't know who these guys are, this is who they are. Um, but Dr. J. Allen Hynek, uh, was a scientific advisor for three major UFO studies undertaken by the U.S. Air Force, uh, Project Sign, Project Grudge, and what I just talked about, the Project Blue Book. And uh, James Hardner, who I kind of had to Google because, again, I'm not super familiar with him, I don't think. Uh, he he did so many other amazing things, but he was, as far as like UFOs are concerned, he was uh, interested in outer space and was a member of the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, Inc. Uh, and in 1968, he presented testimony to the House of Representatives Committee on science and astronauts on the quote-unquote UFO problem. He sincerely believed that the Earth was experiencing extra- extraterrestrial visitors, which, again, if you love conspiracy theories, there's been plenty of uh presidents who know about them <laughs> so yeah yeah donald, the- donald trump was recently asked about that kind of stuff um by his son and he said uh that you'd be surprised to know what he knows but he said nothing i don't believe anything that comes out of that man's mouth i feel like i feel like they purposely didn't tell him anything because then he would spill it like yeah. he would t- i mean which i was kind of hoping for that I'm not gonna lie but Anyway, I'll stop there because, yeah. So both men uh, found it very difficult to detach themselves from the events of that night, especially Calvin, who originally wanted nothing to do with this and was so unnerved by uh, and he felt violated, which I mean, based off of what he described, I I can imagine why, you know, Uh, he felt so violated by violated by everything that happened that he wanted to go home and he actually poured bleach all over himself to try and uh just cleanse himself you know what i mean didn't inject yeah. bleach, but he did pour it over himself <laughs> uh he did end up having a nervous breakdown and had to be hospitalized when he ends up getting out of the hospital he ends up quitting and moving back to his, his hometown and shortly after that has a second nervous breakdown uh the men kind of stay in touch but it's off and on he has to jo- uh, jump from job to job because people just keep recognizing him from the events. Uh, like I guess, like Michelle mentioned at the very beginning, this just just became very huge, um, very popular. Despite the sheriff's office secret tape recording, the multiple hypnosis sessions and the polygraph tests backing up Parker and Hickson's story, many of even the men's own friends and family did not believe them. Calvin stated, we took polygraph tests, voice stress tests, we were hypnotized three times, had more credible witnesses than any case around, and more credible people talking. But see, back in the 70s, people thought you was crazy to have done something or seen something like that. Uh, 
I don't. Did you mention this part? There that there about this. There I think there was two people who actually um, tried to like disprove that prove, disprove um, like what happened to them, and they uh, mentioning how their stories were inconsistent and yeah, um, the polygraph tests were weren't done professionally or something like that. Yeah. So I didn't. I was going back and forth about like whether honestly I, I just thought the report was getting too long too so I was like maybe I shouldn't talk about like the people who were trying to debunk them um do you want to talk about that or um yeah that's basically all I know I don't oh. even I remember their names I, I don't remember the, yeah their names I mean you can look it up and and let me know but just kind of talking off what I remember there's these two guys that were trying to kind of essentially debunk them and make sure that or make them admit that it was a hoax and you know like i mentioned earlier that they're saying like oh like your stories were inconsistent like i said as far as like one man saying it was like a slit for the mouth and the other one that it being a hole mm-hmm. um and then so the person who had done the polygraph test he apparently wasn't like certified but that doesn't mean he wasn't qualified to do it yeah. So that was, they're like, oh, well, he wasn't certified, so he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. It's like, well, it's not necessarily the case. Um, And, you know, obviously people just don't really believe in hypnosis and, like, progression stuff. So, um, you know, those those were some of the things. I don't know if you found their names. Yeah. Uh, So it was aviation journalist and UFO skeptic Philip J. Class or Kloss. I guess. And then um, a skeptical investigator, Joe nickel. Uh, it was, it's what you said. Basically Philip, uh, Philip class said that uh, it was a hoax, that the whole thing was a hoax that they refused to take a polygraph test that was uh, done by an experienced examiner. Hmm. Um, so that's why they didn't believe it because they felt like the polygraph tests that were done weren't um, accurate, I guess. And then Joe nickel, um, always said that it was or wrote that Hickson's behavior was questionable and that mm-hmm. he probably had a hypnagog hypnagogic um that the encounter was like it happened during a, a hypnagogue or something like that. it's a waking dream state yeah yeah, it, yeah. It, it's like a sleep paralysis thing oh that was the other thing i was gonna say Go not, not a sleep paralysis because obviously sleep paralysis sleep paralysis yeah. but it's like yeah they're both there and but it's like for both of them to have the exact same dream. Um, but I do remember, and maybe you're about to mention it. The other thing that they talked about was that uh, they're both essentially like, oh, what is, uh, maybe maybe you're reading it right now, where mm-hmm. one person believes something happened and they like influence the, the second person yeah. to believe that those things are going on. Yeah, if you that, have yeah, he says he um, he suggests that Parker's corroboration of the tale was likely due to suggestibility. Uh, because he initially told the police that he had passed out at the beginning of the incident and failed to regain consciousness until it was over. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly, I think in the video or like the, the clip that they played of the, cause they actually played a clip of the, of that secret tape that they recorded them. I don't know if it was in that video, like you mentioned where like P- Parker's kind of like, he, he didn't want to deal with it. And I don't know yeah. if in that video, Hickson tells him, then just pretend like you don't, you know, mm. like you don't know what's going on. You know what I mean? Like to just kind of be left out of it type of thing. Yeah. And and that, that was another thing where, you know, the, those those men that you're talking about were like, oh, well, it's all bullshit or it's a hoax because Calvin 
didn't want anything to do with it. So yeah, he was like, I don't want to take any more polygraphs. I don't want to do these things because I just want to forget about it and pretend like it Mm -hmm. didn't happen. Um, But obviously there is no escaping that. Um, I mean, he tried, but yeah, didn't work out. (laughs) Um, I mean, the the one that really like went full on into it was, uh, was Charlie. Like he, Charlie that I, I honestly I would be a Charlie in that situation <laughs> I would I feel like I would be Charlie because it says that like he wrote books and then uh also yeah. something about tv shows or something like that oh he he did you know everything and then again also skeptics were like well look he's trying to get out money by like writing these books and doing these interviews but they there was a reason why and I would love to get into it unless you want to keep all right going. no go ahead Okay. Oh, also, uh, just really quick, I was going to say, I mean, the same thing did also happen to the Warrens, to be fair. To the Warrens? Yeah, that, you know, people just thought that they were, you know, doing all this stuff to, oh, you know, for publici- make, pl- yeah, publicity. Yeah, publicity. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, uh, yeah, uh, Charlie, you know, wrote books and was doing interviews and stuff like that, but because uh, of some other series of events that happened, uh, it you know, that abduction was like a one-time event, but there is some more continued things that, that happened to Charlie after this incident. And so it was the following year, January of 1974, he went to go visit a friend on, you know, the friend's ranch and he was going to go hunting and just take hikes and walk around like whatever. And um, so he's walking around the forest and all of a sudden everything starts to get like quiet, like that super creepy quiet where like there's no mm-hmm. birds chirping, there's no bugs, like you don't, there's no movement, there's no air, <laughs> like or you know wind brushing through the trees, and he he actually said that uh, he felt like something was like sending them away from the spot so that they would mm-hmm. be alone, and he he said he was like he felt more lonely than, or he felt more alone than just being alone, like it was just like yeah that feeling of being alone, and then Charlie sees the spaceship. Again, this is the same exact spaceship. And he gets a telepathic message saying, uh, we mean you no harm. We mean no one any harm. We may com- You may communicate with us later. Uh, you have endured. You have been chosen. There is no need to fear. We will communicate again. And that was a, like a huge turning point. That was a huge turning point for Charlie. And, uh, you know, he felt that he no longer feared the aliens and he felt validated because you know they, they came back to him again and he felt validated in the sense that he had always felt that he was like chosen for mm-hmm. something but he didn't know like after that experience he felt chosen for something but he didn't know for what and this was kind of like a yeah validating kind of communication that they had that was like all right they did you know pick me for something and, you know, they did have another communication. And about one month later, in February of 1974, the alien sent another telepathic message telling him that uh, you must tell the world we mean no harm. Your world needs help. We will help in the future before it's too late. You're not prepared to understand yet, and we will return again soon. And, what you know, previous guests, too, I feel like that we've had, this is always a similar message that our mm-hmm. world is in deep shit <laughs> and it's going to get even deeper. And before we kill ourselves off again, you know, they're going to help us or like something's going to happen. So uh, I'm like, yeah, I've heard that before kind of thing. It wasn't, it didn't seem super far fetched when, when I read that. Mm-hmm. And um, 
So yeah, he, you know, they they tell him that we'll return again soon, and they do on May twelfth of nineteen seventy four. Charlie's family went to his parents' house, or to, I'm sorry, his parents' farm, and on the way back, everyone starts to see this strange light in the sky. And Charlie knows exactly what's going on because it's happened before. And he notices that the spaceship is different, though. Um, or sorry, Charlie knows exactly what's what's going on, and uh, it actually, I guess, the 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 lights start off from the back of the car, and they mm. hover over the top, and then finally uh, are in front of the car, and everyone is freaking the fuck out. Clearly, uh, obviously, as one should, and. You know, they see the strange light in the sky. Charlie knows what's going on, but he notices that the spaceship is different. It's way bigger and uh, it's not, yeah, the same, I guess. So he, but he hears another voice and it says, Go, there will be another time and place. And it just flies off. And it was almost as if he, or like these, you know, beings are like, Oh shit, everyone's freaking out. Um, we should, you know what, we'll just do this again later. Like, I, sorry, sorry for the (laughs) scaring everybody. And then it just like flies off. But that was actually the last time that Charlie heard from the beings. You know, they said that there'd be another time and place, but it never happened. Um, so in 2019, a a historical marker was placed near the Pascagoula river across from the site where the alleged abduction took place. It remains the best documented case of alien abduction, particularly since there is a secret tape involved and not one, but two witnesses. The end of the plaque reads when it was officially unveiled, Parker was so overwhelmed by the emotions of finally having the story he was ridiculed about for decades legitimized that he cried. Charles. Yeah. Charles Hickson ended up passing away in 2011 at the age of 81. uh, And he never once changed his story about his terrifying alien gown. A terrifying alien encounter although again the skeptics would disagree with that but yeah. uh calvin parker also uh, still lives in pascagoula and he has since written a book about his experiences entitled pascagoula the closest encounter my story um in recent years even more instances of validation of the story have emerged more than two dozen witnesses have come forward with their own reports of ufo sightings on or around the pascagoula river in jackson county in the weekends around surrounding october 11th one man even reported seeing a large ship floating over the river from the cab of his crane while he worked that night a couple reported seeing a large vessel with a blue light flying low over the river as they drove over a bridge When the man went to visit his aunt the next day, who also lived in the area, before he said anything about the sighting, she said, you'll never guess what I just saw last night and reported (laughs) the same thing. Another couple said that they were on the opposite side of the bank waiting for a boat to come in when they saw blue lights across the river and a gray creature in the water. The man told his wife, don't tell anyone. They'll think we're nuts. One of the best documented witness accounts came from two fishing boats with 10 pass- passengers total that went out on the river on November 6th that same year. The fishing party said that they saw something large and illuminated floating beneath the surface of the water, which they hit with an oar, before playing cat and mouse with the vessel, chasing it around the river. They reported the encounter to the Coast Guard, who sent a boat out and experienced exactly the same thing. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um 
oh, I forgot to mention earlier to you guys, if you want to listen to uh, to the audio recording of their uh, or that secret tape that we talked about that the sheriff's office did, you can actually find it on YouTube. Um, we'll see if I can find the link and we can we'll put it in the, the description um, so you guys can get to it faster. But yeah, that's that's up to, to listen to. So you you guys go take a listen and let us know what you think. Do they sound convincing or do you think they're just really, 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 really great actors that deserve an Oscar? I guess also because I, I'm reading, again, Terry Lovelace's books or listening to because I don't read. Mm-hmm. Um, he was he talks about how in multiple stories of people like that have reached out to him. And I'm fairly certain Craig said this, too. Um somebody's one of our previous guests said it where you like make these agreements or these packs with whatever these entities are mm-hmm. and like you agree to it what but and, and i think i i have this memory in my head of, of asking do you make that agreement once you're born on this earth or does this happen before you come into this life mm-hmm. and i don't remember the answer now i want to like go back and try and find it but um you know but not that it's a definite just because they gave me an answer the, doesn't make it true. But I don't know. It makes me question like people who are abducted like this or he like, you know, Charlie feeling like he was chosen. Like, was he chosen or did he make that kind of agreement before he came into this lifetime? And, you know, that was his thing. That was his mission was to get out into the world for or for people to know that, you know, these aliens aren't bad i feel like it's actually very similar to well that's a lie i was gonna say terry lovelace but he had a a very bad experience but a lot of the stories that he's sharing like it's literally 50 50 it goes back and forth with people saying like aliens Mm -hmm. are wonderful and other people like aliens are horrible but it depends on the race or the you know species i guess or whatever of aliens that just kind of like humans too right like some of us are great and some of us are pieces of shit so yeah well i mean i would definitely say that um Calvin's experience was not very pleasant. Pleasant. Yeah. I mean, like to be honestly, dude, it's, it just, it sounds like he was violated. Yeah. I I forgot to cite my sources. Um, A a good chunk of Calvin's experience that, that I got here was actually from an interview that he did with uh, country road magazine. Uh, And like everything else and little tidbits and stuff it's that information is literally just from listening to so many other paranormal and supernatural podcasts um like uh and that's why we drink and bigfoot collectors club and supernatural and um uh, i mean yeah i can go on and on and on but so yeah some like i said some of it was this interview and a lot of it was just stuff that i remember from other podcasts (laughs) so so did you make the decision to have three alien babies before you were born oh we i was like did we already talk about this but yes we did last (laughs) last episode uh i don't know maybe maybe i did uh so charlie's book was called ufo contact at pascagoula and he also attended UFO conventions, and he started a company called UFO Investigations and produced TV stories about UFOs. Hmm. So this man went 
full force all in yeah whereas you know uh calvin parker went like the exact opposite like he just completely did not want to have anything to do with any of this i know i probably should have read or listened to these two books before (laughs) uh instead of the like i said terry lovelace's but um I don't know. I felt like I had quite a bit of information, even without the books. But I, mm-hmm. I do want to, after I'm done with these or this book, uh, listen to both of theirs and see what's up. Because, I mean, yeah, this this is probably one of my favorite abduction stories, just because of all the the details that they remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, this was definitely something that I didn't know about before. Like famous as it is. From what I've read, I'm really surprised that I, again, I hadn't heard about it. So uh, it's always interesting to to hear about these things. All right, let's wrap this thing up. All righty, guys. Well, if you guys want to share a topic with us or let us or want us to talk about something or deep dive something, you can actually let us know what you want to hear by visiting our website at webelievedyou.com. We have a section there where you can go and find all our social medias, you can contact us through there. Uh, There's also a button there where you can listen to the podcast on all your uh, preferred podcast listening websites, uh, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts. On Apple Podcasts, you can even give us a review, and we can read that on on the podcast, or give us a five-star rating as well, and that helps us get higher in the ranks so more people can find us. Uh, There is the contact section where you can let us know what you want to listen to, what you want to hear, what deep dives you want us to to cover. If you want to be interviewed, if you want to share your stories with us, uh, you can share them in Spanish. You can be anonymous if you don't want us to mention your name. But go visit our website, guys. Share your stories with us because we believe. Do you? Do you?